giving an overview of the Bible, and we started in January in Genesis, and already we are in the book of First Samuel. And um, <clears throat> I trust that you are doing the studies, and um, we invite you to be here for the small groups on Wednesday night, the care groups, as we dig a little deeper into the, the books this Wednesday, it will be First Samuel. Now, originally, the book of First and Second Samuel were one book. So you can be thankful that, to clarify things, those that translated and, and um, put together the, our current Bibles separated it. So this, this week, you only had 31 chapters to read, okay? And you can get it done even if you... Even if you haven't started yet, I mean, you've got today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right there. It wouldn't take that long. But First Samuel, every one of these books are incredible. Some of them, I, I come to them and I think, oh, man, how are we going to do this, Lord? Not some of them, every one of them I'm coming and saying that and saying, I can't do this. And and we are just giving some some brief kind of hopefully wet your appetite things here for you to dive in a little deeper. But overall, we want you to see the major picture of what God is doing in this book and then how it fits in God's overall and what are lessons that we can learn from this. As Samuel begins, Israel is at a low point spiritually. Two weeks ago, we looked at the book of Judges. Last week, the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth takes place in the book of Judges. You remember the book of Judges is the, the cycle of the blessing of God and the rebellion against God and the consequences of that rebellion and then repentance, and then the blessing of God. And God raised up judges, and they were deliverers, and he used them mightily. Samuel is the last judge. So to, to keep this in, in perspective, the book of Judges, it's not like there's the book of Judges, then the book of Ruth, and now we're on to Samuel. Samuel is from this time period of the book of Judges. He is the last judge. We said Israel's condition at this time was at a very low point spiritually. The priesthood was corrupt. You'll see that in in 1 Samuel. The Ark of the Covenant was not at the tabernacle. Idolatry was practiced, and the judges were, were dishonest and self-serving. You know, we, we often think in looking at our own society that, wow, things are really bad and they've never been this bad before. All throughout history, the nature of man has always been the same, and, and in understanding that 
God is God, and we'll touch on this more later, but God is God in the good times and bad times that we may think are good times or bad times. But the reality is this was a very low time spiritually, and yet God was still at work. There are three major characters in the book of Samuel. Now, the book of Samuel has so many wonderful accounts. And probably the one you are most familiar with is the account of David and Goliath. But if you've been a Christian very long, you know that there are certain statements that you'll hear. Man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. That comes from 1 Samuel. You've heard reference to it is better to obey than to sacrifice. That comes from 1 Samuel. You've heard a man after God's own heart. That is in reference to David. That comes from 1 Samuel. You have heard in um, an idiom in our society, he is head and shoulders above the others. You can trace that back to Saul. He was chosen to be king by God, and one of the defining marks is that he was head and shoulders above the others. I mean, this is a side. You'd be amazed how many idioms that we have in our language can be traced back to Scripture. But that's just extra here, okay? But there are three major characters in Samuel. One is Samuel, and um, he is the prophet. The Jews esteem Samuel second to Moses among their leaders. They classified Samuel with Moses as an interceding priest. We don't we don't often think of this, but this is this is how important. And major, they see Samuel. In our minds, we wouldn't. Moses is up there as the the author of the five books of the Pentateuch and so on. But Samuel held in honor of being an interceding priest and the honor of being the last of the judges and the first of a new order of prophets. We were reminded this morning of prophets that God has used. And Samuel was a new order of of not just as a judge, but as speaking the truth to um, officials and so on, heads of state. So Samuel is one of the major characters. Saul is secondly a major character. He is, we would call, a politician. He was king. He was the first king. You remember the children of Israel said, we want to be like the other nations. They have kings. We don't. Samuel warned them, you have a king and it will make your life more difficult. You'll read that in the book of Samuel. But Saul was a choice young man 
in the prime of his life when he was placed on the throne. He was industrious and generous. At his beginning, he was honest. He was modest. He had a humble spirit. And God chose him to institute Israel's monarchy. But there were three times during his reign that he disqualified himself from this high office. The story of Saul is one of the most pathetic accounts of God's servant. Such such great potential, and, and yet there's much that we can learn from it. And again, today I'm not going into the details. I trust you get into the Word and read that. So these are three mountain peaks. There's Samuel. There's Saul, and then there's David. And in 1 Samuel, David is more like a musician or a poet. We do find in 1 Samuel that he is anointed king, but he, he does not, is not able to take the throne. It wasn't God's time yet. We'll get to that in, in the next book. But David was the son of Jesse. A man after God's own heart. Think about that. This isn't something he put on himself. It wasn't something that others said about him. This is what God said, that he is a man after God's own heart. In a lifespan of about 70 years, he served his generation by the will of God. It says in Acts 6.13, David has been described as a bright and shining light of God in Israel. His accomplishments were many and varied. A man of action, a poet, a musician, a generous foe a stern dispenser of justice, a loyal friend. He was Israel's greatest king. We'll talk more about that in future weeks. He was designated by God as the messianic forerunner of Jesus Christ. He is the only person in Scripture with the name David. And he is referenced all throughout Scripture. He is a a mountain peak. And yet David's career was marred by horrific sins. And yet with his sin, he came to deal honestly and with contrition in, in acknowledging and confessing those sins And it brought God's forgiveness, but it also brought many, many consequences. So to help you in looking at at the book of Samuel, there are many other characters in it, but if you will if you will read with these in mind, Samuel is raised up by God miraculously as a prophet. He anoints Saul to be king. 
Saul disqualifies himself, and Samuel anoints his replacement, David. But one thing you will see throughout this, God in his providence raises up kings in Israel. And you will see as we go, go through this, through the Bible, that there are kingdoms of men and there are characteristics of the kingdoms of men identified by men. Kingdoms of men reject God's authority. Human history is one long record of man's attempt to get along without God. You go throughout history and our our fallen nature, we say we don't need God. And you go throughout all of history and it is a long record of man's attempt to get along without God. Because they reject God's authority and in its place they exalt man's authority. Every human kingdom seeks human solutions to man's problems. We want someone to solve our problems. And what do we look to as a a people, and even as believers, sad to say, the government ought to do something about this. You may be... You may be utterly shocked at the um, at the rise of endorsement of socialism in our world today. But whoever promises to take care of us, we will follow. If they guarantee an income and a happy life, the the nature of man is you can own me. And when mankind looks to man for solutions, it always ends up bad. The kingdoms of men exalt man's authority. And and sad to say, many times um, we as Christians fall into it, that they ought to do something about this. And we're looking to man rather than to God. Kingdoms of men may briefly enjoy power and unity. You go back throughout history. Various kingdoms are raised up, and and they briefly, in the overall scope of things, enjoy some power, enjoy some unity, but they always end in division and bondage. Always end in division and bondage. Why? Because human leadership has limitations. You'll read in the book of Samuel. It will say, Samuel is now old. That's one limitation that human leadership has. I have a friend that says, time 
is undefeated. In other words, time takes its toll on everyone. And and if we look to a human to be the solution, the point is going to be they are going to get old. And those of us getting older know what some of that means. It's limited. It's limited by our age. Samuel was limited. He didn't he wasn't able to go on and always be the prophet that spoke the truth to the heads of state. He became old. It's limited by our sin nature. King Saul is a picture of the battle of the flesh and the spirit and the sin nature, the jealousy, the envy, the desire for power. Anytime there's human leadership, it is limited by our sin nature. It is also limited by its lack of power. No human can make others do what is right. Man can't change hearts. Only God can. And you'll read in the book of Samuel, Eli was the high priest and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, did not walk in the ways of the Lord. And it says he restrained them not. You'll also read in the book of Samuel that Samuel was a prophet of God. And it says that Samuel's sons did not walk in his ways. This is the prophet of God. But he cannot dictate into the life of his own sons. We, we jump all over Eli but we understand the limitations of man. Samuel's sons did not walk in his ways, and the children of Israel then said, no way. To understand human power is not, would to God, it, well, thank God it doesn't, but there's no legislation that can change the heart of man. It is only God. And and the reality We need a king and a prophet who can change hearts, and that alone is Jesus Christ. And we are to be vessels that bring that to individuals to change hearts. Let me just mention briefly some lessons we can learn from 1 Samuel. Number one, we've alluded to this, human leadership will always fail. If you look to leadership to do what only God can do, it will always fail. And human leadership, I don't care who the individual is, it will come up drastically short. Only Jesus Christ is perfect. Number two, we learn there will always be a battle between the flesh and the spirit. That is always going on, and I don't care how long you have been a Christian, there is that battle in it, and you really see that wrought out in King Saul's life. 
He's mightily used of God, and then, then he is controlled by his own anger. And you can't be weary in the battle. You must continually submit to the Spirit. You learn as you read through 1 Samuel that decisions have consequences. Clear throughout the book, every time you turn around, you mark it down as you read through it. The decisions that individuals make and then look at the consequences. You'll read throughout this book that victory is possible through the power of God. I, I never, never tire of reading the story of David and Goliath. I mean, there are just so many human nature things. I, of course, I read it, I read it from the standpoint of a younger brother. Remember when he shows up there and the older brother says, What are you doing here? Who'd you leave to take care of the flocks and get home, you punk? You just wanted to see this. That's the St. Lawrence version, the punk, okay? But David showed up, and I love when Goliath came against David, and he said, You come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. David knew where his power came from. And, and we as, as believers many times are powerless because we're depending in the arm of the flesh. You'll never gain victory in your life in the arm of the flesh. And I'm thankful for the, the, the many literatures and, and conferences and so on. But there's no step one, two, three, four, bingo, you'll have victory. It's through a walk with God. And it's through personally knowing God, and it's through His power. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by God's Spirit, says the Lord. But you can know victory in your life. God intended us to have victory in our life. You also learn from Samuel that one person can influence many for good or evil. Right at the beginning of Samuel, you'll read about Hannah. She was without children, and she cried out to God. She didn't go to mankind. She cried out to God And God blessed her and gave her a son, Samuel. And she had already promised. It wasn't a bartering situation. If you give me a son, I'll do. She already said, God, you give me a son. I am dedicating that child to you. It is yours. And that son was Samuel who drastically changed the entire nation of Israel. One person, one woman, who didn't sit down and feel sorry and saying these other people are mocking me because I don't have children. She didn't 
whine about her circumstances. She sought God and did the next thing that God told her to do, not knowing that Samuel would be used mightily of God. King Saul, one person. Sure, he was a king, but one one person that influenced many for evil in that nation. I think of Jonathan, another minor character in the account of 1 Samuel, but a loyal friend to David that God used to spare David's life, and David became the king. This was all in the providence of God. What if Jonathan had said, Oh, man, my dad hates me. I might as well just give up. No, he did what is right. One man. And it doesn't matter. You'll read in Samuel as well. God is not limited to save by many or by few. We need individuals that are willing to say, God, here I am. Use me in any way that you want. Through the influence of godly Samuel and David, the corrupt conditions of Israel were reversed. You'll read in 2 Samuel next week, 2 Samuel concludes with the anger of the Lord being withdrawn from Israel. From the anger of the Lord upon Israel to the anger of the Lord being withdrawn from Israel, how did it happen? God used individuals. And another lesson from 1 Samuel is nothing stops the plan of God. God works in spite of man's feebleness, in spite of man's frailty, in spite of man's sin, in spite of our failings. God is not taken by surprise at who's elected and who's defeated. God's not taken by surprise by the failings and and fallings of man. God continues to work his purposes. The questions we need to ask ourselves are this. Who will be the king or the leader in your life? It's easy for us to say, oh, our nations rejected God as our ruler. But have we rejected God as our king? We say, Lord, Lord means master. Master means he has full control over our life. And it means that, God, you are my king. You are my master. And I am looking only to you. You will be sadly and and bitterly disappointed if you look to anyone else to meet the needs in your life. There are many people that get married and they think they look to their spouse to meet the needs in your life. You'd be sadly disappointed. I don't care who you marry. 
We look to churches. We look to government. We look to jobs. We look to possessions. It's only in God. Nothing else will fulfill or satisfy, but he must be the king of our life. And then we ask this question, will you be an influence for good or evil? Will you be an influence? You are an influence to people. People are watching you. Your family, you're an influence to. Will you be an influence like Hannah and Jonathan and Samuel and David? Or will you be like Saul and Hophni and Phinei? What will you be? You, you are. Maybe we should ask, what are you? And then I ask this question. What are you doing to have the power of God in your life? You cannot ignore the word of God and have the power of God in your life. You cannot ignore the word of God and have the power of God in your life. Hannah knew the power of God at work in her life. Why? She had a heart that was seeking and hungry and thirsty for God. What are you doing? Do you even desire the power of God? We go through life and we run into all these things that we can't do, and yet we don't cry out to God, God, I need you. And until we do, we have a kingdom of man that ends in division and bondage. And we're bound by our own desires and appetites. So we ask again, who will be the king of your life? Will you be an influence for good or evil? And what are you doing in your life now at this time to have the power of God? You know what? Your decisions, your response to those have consequences. Decisions have consequences. And we will personally answer to God for it someday. These things, the book of 1 Samuel, were written for our admonition that through them we might learn. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would minister in our lives today to the reality of the truths that are presented before us in First Samuel. And Lord, I pray today, if there are individuals here who have never submitted their will to yours for the forgiveness of sins, they've never come to realize that their works, their efforts will never pardon their sin. Lord, I pray today they would come to see that you alone paid the penalty for our sin and that you alone can forgive sin. But Lord, I pray for believers that are here today that we're running our own lives. We're the king. It's our kingdom. 
Lord, may you pinpoint through the power of your spirit the areas that we need to submit. And I pray that we would know the joy that comes by submitting our will to yours, of laying down our rebel arms to the obedience of you. I pray that we would be an influence for that which is good, and Lord, that you could multiply that in ways beyond what we can even imagine to the glory of you. Lord, I pray that we would have a hunger and thirst after righteousness, a hunger and thirst after you that would never be satisfied until we see your face. Lord, may your word produce your fruit in our lives as we submit to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.